Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com, where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services, and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. My guest this week is Adam King, CEO of Swipe Station, an ordering and payment app aimed at reducing queuing time at stadiums, as well as helping increase their sales. As you'll hear, Swipe Station is just one aspect of Adam's entrepreneurial journey. He's had an interesting and venture-filled life that has, among other ventures, seen him set up a bespoke tailoring business in Vietnam, and he also holds the official and somewhat dubious record for watching television in public for 48 hours straight. It's a great conversation in which Adam speaks with enthusiasm, humour and honesty about his business life, as well as his growth as an individual and the pleasures of being a new father. I particularly enjoyed talking to Adam simply because he is so open and he's clearly someone who spends time reflecting on his life to understand what he's done right as well as the mistakes he's made and how to learn from both of those things. Enjoy the show. Welcome Adam to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Lovely to be here. It's great to have you on the podcast and I'm really intrigued to talk to you about your latest venture swipe station but I'm also intrigued to learn a bit more about your backstory and as we'll learn swipe station is a technology business but your first business that you co-founded was in 2004 and was a bespoke tailors so how does somebody leaving university obviously by the look at your you know backstory in the career you'd had a few few jobs in that but why set up a bespoke tailors in 2004 what made you do that Adam? So I got made redundant in 2003 and my boss said, let me give you a piece of advice. Um, start your own business. You're an absolute <laughs> nightmare of an employee. You always you're unemployable. You're, you're start unemployable. Your start your own business. So, and I got the redundancy. And then a few weeks later, I got a call from a friend say, who works in telly saying, there's this show coming up that I'm working on and I really think that you'd be good for it. And I ended up auditioning to be on this show and it was the launch of like a adrenaline sports channel. Okay. And you know, those endurance tests that they have where you have to hold on to a Land Rover and the last one wins a Land Rover or whatever. This yeah. is the lamest version of that. So okay. they built a, a three glass boxes in Covent Garden and I sat in Covent Garden in this glass cube and broke the Guinness World Record for continuously watching TV, live on TV. It was the, the <laughs> dullest TV you could possibly imagine, I mean, just watching someone watch telly. But, and, and the Guinness people were there wandering around and 
checking that we weren't looking away from the screen. And I had to stare at that screen nonstop for 48 hours. And that broke the world record. That broke the world record and I won 10 grand. So along with my redundancy, I decided I would travel the world uh, on my own and my first for a year and my first stop was uh vancouver i met up with my friend jake allen okay. in, in whistler and he was about to go traveling for a year as well and over a few beers we decided that we would be business partners we were going to be we were going to search the world looking for a product or service that didn't exist anywhere so even before you went traveling you'd met up and you decided the purpose of this traveling trip is we're going to find a business we're going to come back well, he was home. going with his girlfriend it was but don't get me wrong both of us were on a jolly he okay. was going with his girlfriend who became his wife and they were just going traveling for a year and i was going traveling for a year purely on a jolly. but then as a result of this pact we met up six months later halfway around the world in yeah on bondi beach in sydney and we sat there on the places beach to me. Oh, I know. It was our first business meeting. And we, we, we sat and we had scraps of paper and all bits and pieces. And what and we wanted to do Vodka Rebel in a can. We wanted to do, we had this great idea, which was basically Pimlico Plumbers. I'd love to say I invented that, but not true. <laughs> or, or Jake did. Anyway, and we had all these scraps of paper, all these ideas. But Jake had had a suit made. Uh, I think it was Thailand and yeah. it was a tux and it was rubbish. But we thought, well, what if you could actually get that tailoring right? And what if we combined that with my previous experience, which is in high-end customer service? I've been managing a top top-end furniture shop. So that's what we did. I then went to Vietnam and I interviewed, God, I mean, 30 or 40 tailors. Which was wow. hilarious. I mean, so I went round the day before and gave them a piece of paper with a list of questions that I was going to ask. And I would come back the next day and say, did you get my piece of paper? Can we talk about it? And they'd have the, the piece of paper would be upside down like, half the time. <laughs> and, and but it was great fun. And I, I met this woman called Moon and we struck up a great rapport and she just kind of got it. You know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's still quite a, relatively communist country or it was back yeah. then and for them it was just about oh, just knock out a suit yeah i think lots of people have had a suit made in yeah. vietnam or thailand and they just yeah. knock it out and they don't care about the customer service or anything about whether the, anyone's going to bring it back because people are on their travels because nobody's going to bring it back are they no no so we had to train them to really you know put time and attention in and and it was a sort of crash course in capitalism for both of us because okay. we were saying look, we will pay you more than the tourists pay for these suits but we want you to pay the highest salaries in town we want you to attract the best customers and uh, the best uh, staff yeah and it worked it was brilliant and we watched this tiny little shop become I mean, they, they built a building they had uh, all the cloths on the top floor. She lived on the middle floor. The ground floor was where they worked. They had a swimming pool for the staff. I mean, this is in Vietnam. It was extraordinary. Wow. The head tailor drove a Harley. <laughs> I, I mean, I swear they made more money out of it than we did. 
And perhaps a, you'll never know. <laughs> no, but it was it was a fabulous relationship, and we expanded the range. I mean, at first we just sold black tie, and it was called just black tie. We we uh... invested five hundred quid each, and we bought a laptop and a black cab. An old, yeah, I was going to swear, a, road, a dirty old black cab that we yeah. rebranded as the Tuxi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I see what you're joke. doing there. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> An entire business based on a really good pun. Uh, and, yeah, we drove around the country um, selling tuxedos to public school boys and girls and students and basically getting people ready for the prom. And that was wow. that was what we did. So we did that, that for was a your year. niche, then, and and that was your niche. That was your focus, and off you went. Yeah, it was the, the Henry Ford model. We just had one color, and it was black. Yeah, but so what? At what point did you go? Right, this is working. You know, we're we're in our taxi. We're driving around. We're selling to students. We're selling to private schools. We you know we, we're getting the quality of product over. We should now become a bespoke tailors. I mean, that, that's a that's, that even that's quite a big leap, Adam, isn't yes, it? Yes, it was. But by that point, and it was about a year, by that point, okay. we actually then understood the architecture of a suit, which we didn't have a clue about before. Jake had never even worn one. <laughs> so we we then knew that all we, all we had to do was introduce new ranges of cloths and we could expand into the city which is exactly okay. what we did. And we started hiring venues, the sort of upstairs of a pub. That was our like, prime position. And we would turn them into a tailor shop for the day. Okay. I have a sort of history in theatre, kind of, you know, right. aspirational. And it was very theatrical. We would go in, we'd change the light bulbs, make the change, change the music, uh, um, bring in props. And I hired out-of-work actors um to to do the selling of the suits so they were trained wow. how to measure and how to sell suits and it was brilliant they they were amazing they were able so this... to completely adapt their personality to suit the person that they were with well, it was brilliant. i suppose that's what they're trained to do isn't it they're yeah. on a show but so that was that's a very early version of the kind of pop-up shop and pop-up business that we see quite frequently today then yes yes it was but it was only for 24 hours. We would okay. only be there for that day. And then we would come back to the same venue two weeks later or a month later. And yeah. we would tour that around the world, around the country. And we had, at one point, we had 30 of these pop ups. Okay. So when you went onto the website, there was, you could go to your local town and get measured for a suit. But at some point, you then did open physical shops and stores. Yes. And again, that's quite a big leap. You've gone from a low overhead business to a business that then is sucking cash daily in rent and staffing and all of those costs. But we had the data to prove that it was going to work because okay. we only opened up the shops in the places where we got the most customers already. So you had your hotspots and you yeah. just focused on them. Yeah. So wow. uh, needless to say, the city of London was the hottest of the hotspots. And, you know, we still have a shop in Liverpool Street. So, yeah, I mean, business started back in 2003, 2004, obviously 2021 now. What, where is that business now and what's your role in it now, Adam? I'm a non-exec director. Yeah. Um, so I go for dinner with Jake and a couple of members of the board uh, 
once every quarter. And Jake and I will chat on the phone about what's going on, but it's very ad hoc. He is very much king of the castle, and yeah. I'm a sounding board as and when he needs it. We worked brilliantly as a team. I mean, there were times, of course, where yeah. we really fought like cats and dogs. Uh, but actually, we complemented each other very well. He is a systems guy. He's just process, process, process. And his mark on the tailoring world is that, I, I would argue, is that he's turned something that was traditionally very artistic into a science. Yeah. The, the accuracy of the suit is unbelievable to the point that now when people come and get fitted, it's just little tweaks here and there. And that doesn't even happen on Savile Row. So what that does to your margins is extraordinary because you're having yeah. fewer appointments and you're paying your tailors less to do alterations and improvements. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful product. I'm really proud of it. And I'm really proud of what he brought to it. I was just the mouth. You know, I, right. I was sales, marketing, recruiting, yeah. and I would go on tour with the actors and we would you know, do these pop-ups together. And then even even to, towards the end, I was still doing one day a week in the city because I felt it was so important for me to be there at the coalface. Actually, it's quite interesting talking to you now, but I can see how you would have been some of that energy, you know, that sales, that marketing to get the drive to get that business underway. But was there a point, therefore, where you realised you were not so needed in that Correct. business? That's setting? exactly what happened. And how did that feel? And what, what, how did that come about? It was around 2012, I think, and I was just feeling like the sales and marketing guy. You know, yeah. we were we got into our groove, and I think, and I, if he was here now, I would, uh, you know, Jake is less risk averse, more risk averse than I am, and yeah. I think had it had I been king of the castle, I'd have probably got Justin Timberlake in to do the adverts and driven into the ground. You know, yeah. it, it would have just, it would have imploded. And, and I owe so much to him because I learned so much about the importance of process. But I felt it was time, I think we both realised that we'd gleaned enough from each other yeah. through osmosis that we could do it on our own. And yeah. indeed, he has taken over, you know, everything. So sales, marketing, etc. And I am now running a business where I have to, design and execute all the processes there you are you learn from each other and, yeah. a, and a friendship and i suppose that's a great way and that's a great strength not many business partners owners founders realize that do they there sometimes does come a point in the journey where you've got to recognize you've done your thing and actually time needs to step back let others play to their strengths and yeah, actually absolutely. take some of the spoils and rewards as it effectively as an investor rather than being at the coalface that takes that takes a lot of bravery, I would say, Adam. Yeah, it's interesting you use that word. I would call it self-confidence. Okay. I feel like I have been, like I was given this when I was born. I've been self-confident since I was born. Right. I, I, what, I feel like the, you know, the attribute I'm certain, the most grateful for is that I can walk into a room and I never feel any social anxiety. I just... I can just go out and chat to anybody yeah. and I'm confident and happy. And interestingly, I would say that is also my greatest fault 
Okay. Because the next part of the story is that I went off to do it on my own and I failed disastrously. Okay. So, so that's, I that, that, up, that feeling yeah. that you probably could walk on water, you could do it, you were the man. Yeah. Yeah, and I so was going to prove to Jake that I yeah. could do it. No. <laughs> so what was the business you went and set up then? So it was called Traffic Light and it essentially it was an internal social network for companies. Okay. I regretfully it's very similar to Slack. Okay. Which really stings. <laughs> the but idea was right. <laughs> the idea was right. Uh, quite. Let's blame the execution. I mean, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so what went wrong? When you look back at that, you know, we all look back with you know, hindsight only ever kicks us in the teeth, doesn't it? But when you look back with hindsight, you know, that element of your journey post the King and Allen and setting up traffic light. You know, what lessons did you learn? So I learned about interpreting data, I think. I learned a lot about B2B sales. I had been B2C yeah. my entire career. Okay. So to go business to business overnight, I then had, it was an entirely different sales process. Yeah. And I've always said, and I still say it, that I'm a salesman disguised as a CEO. I, you know, I've, I'm... That is the fundamental of who I am and what I do, um, whether it's selling it to, the, to clients or to the business to investors or selling the company values yeah. to someone I'm recruiting. It's just, that's the nature Sales of job. Yeah. Exactly. And I learned a lot about B2B, but what I learned the most is, is knowing when to stop. I set myself a challenge of, I'm going to get meetings with X, Y, Z, da, 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 and wrote out a list. I met with most of them. And when they weren't interested, I knocked it on the head. Then right. pivoted into another industry and did it again and knocked that on the head and pivoted into a third industry, did it again, knocked that on the head. But I did it fairly, you know, I failed and failed fast. Yeah. I suppose, and then if you are going to fail, then it's you, failing fast and realising that it's, it's not going to work is... Is a, as an attribute to have, isn't it? Otherwise, you just are banging your head against the brick wall. And there is this kind of adage as well, isn't there? When you start a business, then you know, don't make it perfect. Don't launch perfect. Launch with minimum viable, and go Absolutely. and see what happens. And there's this constant clash, I think, of advice where people say, "Never give up. Yeah. Just keep on keeping on. Tomorrow's a new day." And then you've got the other adage, which is "fail fast." And it's that yeah. well, where, which is it? And that I think the answer is is data. Is you actually set yourself milestones, and when you haven't reached those milestones, then you you know the answer. Yeah, I think that. But you've got to make sure you've given it the fair crack, haven't you? And you've set, like you say, I think it's probably is about data, isn't it? It's setting objectives and knowing you've given your all to fulfil that objective. Yeah, God, this, is me. Says, this is how process driven I am. Yeah, Jake is going to be very proud if he listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose confidence knocks or maybe because you've got that self-belief and that self-confidence, confidence not knocked. Is that when you came across Swipe Station? Yeah, so I reached out to my network um, and I said, "I'm, you know, I'm looking for something else. I'm looking for something different. And fortunately, a guy called Sid Nadim, who I've been friends with through my network um, for some time, 
I happened to be having lunch with him the next day. Okay. And he had this startup that he wanted, he was looking for a CEO for. I mean, it was just perfect. Okay. And that was it. That was Swipe Station. That was Swipe Station. So they had done one pilot at Saracens. Okay. And it was an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> um, but still, I came in and I was like, I think I know how I can fix this. And I believe I know where you went wrong. And I think it's a great idea and I'd love to run with it. Wow. And so perhaps for our listeners, just briefly say what Swipe Station does. So Swipe Station is a mobile ordering service aimed at mass gatherings. So stadiums, exhibitions, festivals, etc. Okay. So on the one hand, we have tills and touchscreens, McDonald's and those kind of things. On the other, we have mobile payment, which is your Weatherspoons app and Starbucks, yeah. etc. What well, where we sit is in this niche in between where mobile payment doesn't work in stadiums because phones just nobody's die. got a phone signal. No, nobody's everybody's trying to get signal. everyone's trying to use their phone. Yeah. Yeah. And Tills and uh, McDonald's style ordering systems are slow, too slow. So they've got a very narrow window of, you know, half an hour before kickoff and half time and maybe afterwards uh, to, to, to do all of their business. You know, in rugby's case, 15 times a year. Yeah. So what we've done is we've taken away the deliberation, the ordering, and the payment from the service area. So that by the time you get to the service area, you're you're holding a piece of paper, you're holding a receipt that you just hand to the, the server. And of course, it's so easy for them. They don't need any training. They don't need to understand a till or even be able to speak English that well or hear what the person's trying to order. They just have to read off the bit of paper, go and fetch your drinks and, and deliver the and, and hand right. them over. So we pretty much guarantee a 15 second serve. You can serve three people a minute. Which wow. Typically and like, that must yeah. compare to one in a minute. One a minute or maybe two. In a, a traditional queue at half time yeah. when you're desperate to get that drink or that bit of food and you can't. Yeah. And yeah. And that's the wow. thing, you know, we've all been there. We've all stood there in a queue. And that's how this idea started with standing in a queue at Twickenham. And right. We, you know, you, but you watch the server and you're pulling your hair out thinking, oh my God, this is just <laughs> painful. But the truth is, those tills are really hard to use. They're not designed to be used by casual staff and they're certainly not to be designed to be used 15 times a year. No. They're supposed to be in a pub or a restaurant used every day. So actually, knowing what I know, I feel sorry for casual staff. They're doing the best they can trying to work out a computer, essentially. So we took out all of that. So again, I suppose a bit like you were doing with King and Alan in the early days and, and the attempt with traffic, like you're trying to break in with something that's not been done before. Is that fair to say, Adam? Because you're sitting somewhere between that kind of traditional till and the app and that technology piece. So is one of your biggest challenges getting people to actually adopt the technology? Yes, very much so. Uh, someone once said to me in a meeting, I don't mind being cutting edge. I just don't want to be bleeding edge, mm. uh, which I thought was quite funny, but also infuriating. In equal measure. <laughs> yeah. um, and I get it. It is an entirely new form of payment, albeit very niche. Um, 
but the way and the way the app works for example is it looks and feels exactly like normal mobile payment it looks and feels like starbucks or whatever mm. but actually the app never speaks to the internet right it, you, it works in airplane mode so actually you can it, it's a really sexy way of ordering food and drink but actually it's just a qr code making app so it produces the qr code i assume you go up to a state you know a, a court, assume a swipe station you swipe Correct. in it gives you your bit of paper and you take that to the till exactly right Simple. so that the swipe station itself is it looks like a backpack it's it's really a beautiful piece of kit um and it's got lights and lots of uh, you know yeah marketing messages around it to help you along but um essentially it's an unmanned till so when you scan your phone at the swipe station it speaks to the bank yes have they got the money and it spits out a ticket in three seconds right so it's great for the clients because essentially the the fans are doing a lot of the work they're deliberating in their seats and oh you know dave what do you want do you want a half or a pint blah 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 all of that chat yeah is done in the seat the order is done on the phone and the payment is done at the swipe station right but as far as the fan is concerned they're queuing they're waiting once they get in that queue and of course we don't have queues so this is fabulous and they all chat in the queue going oh this is amazing isn't it they're, they're all yeah i'm not going to use the word smug but you know they kind of they, they know yeah. they're doing something clever and beating the system but you are trying to break into something that hasn't been done before i suppose and yes. i assume the stadiums you know need to invest in your kit and they've probably already got teal systems and it's that adoption exactly of new right. technology challenge and how are you overcoming that so we are able to integrate with teal systems uh, if we need to or we run as an add-on okay. and th i mean the way we're doing it really is again going back to data you know we've got really good case studies we're proven to uplift sales by 25 percent, which is massive you know again going back football has 23 home games a year and, and yeah. rugby has 15 so you know if you can add a tiny amount to the margin it's it makes a huge it's, difference it's all about for those industries isn't it revenue on game day you know exactly like right. you say unused facility they've got to capitalize and maximize their revenue income that they can yeah. produce on match day haven't they and if your yeah. technology does that then well. yeah but and it's by taking the skill out of the, the sales process so turning casual labor into service ninjas service ninjas lightning quick <laughs> great i like that turn them into service ninjas <laughs> maybe that should be our new tagline yeah there you are you've come up with a new tagline yeah <laughs> sales and marketing like, half strikes time drinks again in half the time it's quite a good tagline though yeah it is quite good <laughs> does that mean you can drink twice as many well, it certainly means um that you can have a pint and a pee which is a lot of people's <laughs> main objective for half time agreed <laughs> people write to us and thank us <laughs> pint and pee not pint and pint not pint and pie pint and pee there we are yeah. so obviously we talked about some of your challenges with that businesses what are some of your hopes and aspirations for that business adam so the pandemic has been a very interesting time for us mm, um, I can imagine the, the, the corona coaster as uh, our chairman puts it the on the one hand the world has 
definitely moved in our direction. You know, pitching a mobile ordering service to stadiums pre-pandemic was hard because the fans themselves are steeped in tradition. They'll use the same turnstile, they'll queue at the same till, they'll pee at the same urinal their dad did. Mm -hmm. And we are changing, we're asking them to change huge amount of behavior. But what the pandemic did was actually advanced our cause by a, a number of years and a number of months. Because since then, people have used their phones to order mm -hmm. from a supermarket, from a, for a takeaway, and they've even used it in a pub to order food and drink. Yeah, so the it, world reset, didn't it, in terms of yeah. how we use our phones, how we use technology and how we pay Absolutely right. things. Yeah. So we're what we're what my aspirations are to see um, the the world's first mobile payment only stadium. I think that would be incredibly exciting. Um, and then to expand the business internationally. Okay. So it's UK focused now. It is UK focused now. And I, I mean, that is partly to do with having hardware. Yeah. I, I never, I, I, you know, advice to anyone out there who is an inventor. Whew, I, I, I completely underestimated how hard it is working on an invention and having to iterate and iterate and all of the boring old health and safety stuff. And yeah. you know, the patent stuff it is exhausting. Yeah, you know, we, we got the swipe station to, it was uh, Mark two, Mark three, and it was just beautiful and it worked perfectly and everything else. And then we got it in the field and it had this lovely bulbous head and with a flat top. And people started putting their pints on the top. It's like, oh god! So we had to go back and redesign the whole thing. And then you have to go through all those hoops again. Yeah. It's so infuriating. And how is it working with you? You know, you've said during the course of this conversation that you know you're you're very sales focused, a sales focused CEO, and you've come into a business to support a you know a startup stage, a what I'd imagine is a sort of an inventor, a tech based individual who's got a concept and idea so your inclination i would imagine is to go out sell and your you know the founder the, the the individual that invented swipe stations inclination is to perfect the product does that cause conflict um i i strongly urge you to get sid nadim onto this podcast he is okay. the most charismatic person i've ever met and is he this is the only thing he's invented he actually right. runs an, a, a large digital agency and three other businesses oh wow but, he needs to come he, on the podcast oh <laughs> he is fantastic and so i've painted the wrong image of him completely absolutely and but he still has inventor on his business card because he's new okay <laughs> quirky <laughs> unusual <laughs> but no he is just this he's a rugby fan and okay. it, it all came about from him being frustrated at queuing for a beer at rugby matches and he, he thought what if the fan handed over a piece of paper with their order written on it and yeah. then he worked backwards from there very clever yeah it is but no it? he's extremely yeah he's very charismatic very, uh, yeah so he and yeah. i in a meeting we have a thing where we kick each other under the table if we're talking too much <laughs> okay there's our conflict <laughs> yeah that's your conflict shut up you shut up you <laughs> off we go getting yeah. too infused and i suppose well that then leads to another question 
how do two people that are very entrepreneurial, outgoing, sales focused, passionate about it, make sure you are developing product in the right way? I mean, who does that within the business? Oftentimes it's dictated by the client. Okay. They come to us with needs. Yeah. And when it's the, when a pattern starts to emerge, then you know that it's something that needs building. There's a problem you need to solve. So it's Absolutely. not that inventor mentality of just invent, 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 invent. It's where's my piece? Where, what's the product going to do that's the piece of paracetamol that solves the client's problem? Absolutely right. Yeah, so we've just started building, uh, oh, we've just started testing, sorry, uh, it is built and completed, a back-end system called the SMART system. Start, SMART stands for Stock Management and Analytics in Real Time. Okay. Essentially, what, what you will be able to do on a phone is manage your entire back-end stock system on a match day. And you get, that's never been done before. So traditionally, our stakeholders are tied, ball and chain, to a PC watching yep. the numbers coming in, looking at stock supplies, working out where that, you know, where the pain points are going to be. We're putting all of that into a phone. Right. So they'll be able to see it, walk the stadium, solve the problems. Yes. Wow. And they'll be able to drop and drag products uh, into other units. And then they, those units can then be physically moved over. They can be running out of crisps. It's just not a problem. Sounds brilliant. Sounds a solution. I need to go and find a station with a swipe station. A station, a stadium with a swipe station. So, Everybody does. Yeah, clearly. So obviously you're enjoying that journey um, and, and where you are in life right now. I suppose one of the questions I'd ask is, you know, that having founded a couple of businesses, having been on a bit of a roller coaster ride, has running your own businesses and being involved as a founder had a significant effect on you from a personal perspective? When Jake and I started King and Allen, we were living in a house with nine other people that was due for demolition. And we ran the business from the bathroom and we kept the suits in the old dining room and we lived and we, we lived and breathed it. And our girlfriends lived there and our friends lived there. And it was intense uh you know but it, it, but great fun and as the years have gone on i feel like i've actually managed my work-life balance very well um okay i'm i'm a big investor in networking i really believe in it i don't think it's a dirty word i think it's essentially what you're doing is building up a group of friends who are there to help you know, yeah, and as, as your story proves, Adam. Yeah, yeah, it's been invaluable over the years. And I take great pride in going out and meeting people. And, hmm. and you know, if it takes me, if it uses up my evenings, so be it. But is, also, that because you, is that because you think, is that because you've blended your work and your personal life that you don't, you think you've got, or you, you have got a balance? It's because you're not trying to separate the two. That's a good point arguably yes when i'm out and i'm going to a dinner or something it, it is work I, I i don't see it as work. it doesn't feel like what you work. won't find yeah. me doing is working at weekends on spreadsheets okay I I, you know i'm really good at keeping that balance yeah um and i'm very honest and open with the other 
business owners that I'm friends with. Mm. And I asked them, you know, how's their work-life balance? How are they? Um, yeah. One of your brilliant, the brilliant podcast yeah. that was called How Are yeah. You? And how are you really? Yeah. How are you really? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I'm I try and keep up with people and see you know how everyone's doing, and so you're able to sort of gauge: Am I okay? Am I doing all mm. right? Is am I happy? Is this making me happy? Yeah. Am I working too hard, or am I not working too hard? Yeah. I and I think that's brilliant, isn't it? And I think that's what you know. I'm one of my sort of passions is when you, you know, it's what evolves about is you put like-minded people together and you just let them converse. Great thing. A great things can happen, but the support that people give each other, if they're open and honest with each other is immense. And people learn from each other's experiences. And sometimes you go, yeah, well, I know I've had that and this is how I solved it. And all of a sudden somebody that's worried or stressed or uptight about something because it's the first time they've encountered a, this challenge in their business journey finds a solution and at other times it's just fun to converse yeah. with like-minded people and have a laugh and yeah have a, a good joke friend and... of mine ollie barrett has a has what he calls a kitchen cabinet and it's yeah. a cabinet of people who he meets guess where in his kitchen and he yeah. just bounces ideas off them and it's yeah. brilliant yeah um i'm a member of the supper club i don't know if you've heard of that and it's yes a have, really yeah. good networking club yeah. for like-minded entrepreneurs who yeah everyone is really honest with each other and really are, are there to help each other it's and it's yeah. fun that's it ah okay it's interesting isn't it so, yeah. Yeah. So when i said i reached out to my network so that's the, you know, it's the principle behind yeah it's the principle behind evolve as well so if you look at where you are right now some of the challenges you're facing obviously the pandemic and the swipe station the effect but there's some of those exciting opportunities what hard thing are you not doing enough of adam what's the one thing that you're not doing that you should be doing right now do you think i think the thing i'm putting off is international expansion okay and that is probably fear i i i think you know whenever i sit down to go i'm going to focus on international expansion i always find something else more pressing to get to to, to do and i think it's that fear of Am I ready? Is the business ready? Yeah. You know, do I want to be jetting around the world, looking after the teams? And you know, I've just had a baby. Is that does that fit in with my life yeah. goals? And you know, you you, when I have my work hat on, I'm like, well, it shouldn't matter. I do, I do what's best for the business. But we don't always wear our work hat. We no. have our home hat, and yeah. and it's again, it's about finding that balance. I think as well it comes from the you know the confidence in the business and in the technology and yeah. all of that and knowing okay when is it truly scalable when when yeah. when can I just train other teams to manage this and and set it free and perhaps it's part of that you know watching your kids grow up and, and move out you know it's yeah. perhaps it's that fear as well <laughs> it's that kind of face this is my baby this is something yeah. I've been working on this yeah but I suppose the the UK has got so many stadiums to shoot at hasn't it that there is opportunity yeah, on your doorstep can, as well I've got enough to keep me busy that's for sure and anything that keeps you up at night other than the new baby <laughs> my dad gave me a really good piece of advice years ago which was always make sure you can sleep at night yeah. And I think at the time what he meant was 
pay your taxes, obey the laws, etc., etc. But I've actually yeah. moved that into my whole life where it's more around don't hurt people's feelings, make sure that someone who leaves your company feels better than when they entered your company, yeah. and that you're not lying awake at night. Oh, I offended that person today, or yeah, I could have said something better. I could have said the right thing. Yeah, and and so I sleep very well. Great. And that's a great that's a great value to live your life by, isn't it? I think so. Great piece yeah. of advice by your dad. Yeah. You might have interpreted it slightly different, but it's a great piece of advice. You put more meaning behind it, definitely. So as we kind of wrap up our conversation, I always end with the same conversation, you know, question typically, which is what does success mean to you, Adam? I knew you were going to ask me this question because I've seen it on and heard, heard it on the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to have to change this last question if every guest knows it's coming now. <laughs> I wake up in the morning almost every day and look forward to the day. I'm, yeah. There's something in that day that is exciting to me or it's going to be fun or interesting or challenging. And that's not to say I don't have, you know, I'm not reticent or I'm not, yeah, I, I do. I, I, it's not all rainbows yeah. and unicorns, but um, I take great pride in that, that I, built a life for myself where every day is I you know bounce out of bed I'm okay. sure that's a really annoying answer for people who hate bouncing out of bed but uh, you know I and and interestingly you know I have just had a baby and I don't bounce out of bed I actually do the morning yeah session so I will look after the baby between like seven and half eight while my partner catches up on sleep and so for the first time, well, firstly, I'm awake during that time. So that's, that's the first, <laughs> but also we have this to get, I mean, she's half asleep. So we have this hour, hour and a half of serenity, the calm before the day starts. Yeah. And I'm finding that that's sort of, you know, my, my happy place and my time to reflect. And yeah, so I suppose at the moment I'm, I'm feeling that as well as you know being proud of the business and, and where I am, I'm actually really enjoying being a dad way more than I thought I would, to be honest. It's, it's one of it's, it's one of the biggest privileges you can have in life. I think I've got two daughters, and yeah, my life is just so so much better and more more worth just to spend time with them and you know and see them grow up into you know young women and and you know just see what they can achieve in life and and that they can be happy and i think you know i think you're you're gonna have a great experience adam i am sure i'm really looking forward to it it's it's been great fun so far definitely and of course the thing you're looking forward to today was being on the evolve to succeed podcast wasn't it absolutely yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's great fun i've really enjoyed it thank you so brilliant. much so adam if people want to know more about you and more about swipe station where can they go Sitestation.co.uk. Um, all the information's on the website, or they can contact me directly, Adam at Swipestation.co.uk. Brilliant, Adam. You've been a great guest on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. 
If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.